This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wurundjeri Land, and this is a bonus episode of Full Story for the football fans. Out of 32 countries, there are now just 16 teams left in the Women's World Cup, and the Matildas are still in with a chance. So today, here's what you need to know before you watch their second round match against Denmark on Monday. It's Saturday, the 5th of August. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, Kieran, how are you going? I'm great. How are you? I'm really well. Um, I know that you've watched every Matildas game in this World Cup, covering it for The Guardian. What's it been like to be in amongst it in the crowds in the stadiums? This has been a fantastic tournament. It's been um, the most well-attended tournament uh, in the history of the Women's World Cup. Kieran Pender is a freelance writer covering the Women's World Cup for Guardian Australia. It's been incredible, record-breaking media coverage, media interest, television viewing figures. The Matildas match against Canada was the most viewed event on Channel 7 of this year. I think that speaks to incredible levels of interest across Australia and around the world for women's football. And in Australia, that interest has not just been the Matildas, but the whole tournament and the crowds at every match have been incredibly strong. I think this could be a really significant moment for women's sport generally in Australia and around the world. Mm. Let's turn to the Matildas' chances. I mean, so far, Australia's played three games, all without their star player and captain, Sam Kerr. They won their first game against Ireland 1-0, then lost against Nigeria 3-2, and then most recently they beat Canada 4-0. So why do you think they performed so much better in that last match? I think it just all came together in that moment. I think the pressure, the Matildas motto, never say die, that was really the attitude they took into the match and just performed brilliantly across the park. It was hard to pinpoint any player in that match who played poorly for the Matildas. The defence was really solid, the midfield was robust. But I think what really came together and made the difference in that Canada clash was the attack. They had a lot of chances in the other games that weren't converted and suddenly you had, you know, a four-goal victory. So to see it all come together in that moment when so much was riding on the game, it was described as possibly the biggest match in Matilda's history. And they not only won, but they beat the Olympic champions 4-0. Now, I have to confess, I've been on holiday for a few weeks, so I haven't been following the World Cup super closely. But every time I see a headline about the World Cup, it's been that the Matildas' chances are hanging by a thread, they're almost out, they're almost in, and then they make this huge comeback. So why do you think this next game against Denmark on Monday is is so important to be watching? 
This is a huge game for the Matildas. So we're at the halfway point of the Women's World Cup. The Matildas have navigated successfully through the group stage. The Matildas topped their group. In fact, it's the first time the Matildas or the Socceroos in, in all of World Cup history have topped their group. So we now move from the group stage to the knockout round. So that begins with the round of 16. If the Matildas win on Monday, they'll go through the quarterfinals and then on potentially to the semifinals and the final. All of these matches are must win. If you lose, you go home. At Denmark are a good team, but the Matildas would be fancied to win. And if they win, then, you know, they're on a run. Now, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but certainly this is where the hype really begins. Okay, so on Monday they play Denmark. How do you rate Denmark as a team compared to the Matildas? Denmark are a strong side, European football team with a strong tradition in the women's game, but they didn't qualify for a number of World Cups uh, leading up to this tournament. So this is a big moment for Denmark as well. They'll be underdogs. They'll be hoping to use that against Australia. Uh, One of their, their lead players, Peniel Harder, she was formerly Sam Kerr's teammate at Chelsea. She's just moved to Bayern Munich. That's the key threat. If Australia can control harder, then Denmark will struggle to score. But she's a, a really strong striker. You know, scored um, has an incredible history for Denmark. Has scored so many goals for them. Uh, that's what's interesting. This game is really the clash of two strikers who used to be teammates until just recently. Mm. Are there any other key Danish players that we should be watching out for? Yeah, one player that I've had my eye on, uh, Josephine Hasbo. She's currently playing uh, in the United States, um, uh, studying at Harvard and playing for the college team there. She's in the midfield, really promising, young, very dynamic, and I, I think that she'll be one to watch. Okay. And then on the Australian side, we've obviously already mentioned Sam Kerr. If she plays, that'll be amazing. But who have been the other key players on the Australian team so far? I think what we saw in the Canada game was a really well-rounded team performance, um, but particularly I thought the star players for Australia were our two left-sided players, Caitlin Ford and Steph Catley. Catley, the captain, filling in for Kerr. They were so dangerous on the counter-attack. Steph Catley is very fast, loves to break down the wing, and her dynamic with Ford really unlocked the Canadian defence. Mary Fowler was also really um, a stand-up performer against Canada, but I think the, the the big question, and certainly for the Australian coach, Tony Gustafsson, is what does he do with Kerr? Well, I mean, Australians have been on Kerr watch or calf watch since the start of the World Cup when she injured her calf during a training session. She hasn't played a game yet. Could she play on Monday, do you think? We won't get a firm update on her status until Sunday when Tony Gustafsson faces the, the media ahead of the match on Monday. But I think you'd expect she'll at least come off the bench and play the last 30 minutes or so, or she might start. The only the dilemma for Tony Gustafsson is given how well the rest of the team played without Kerr against Canada, particularly the attacking unit, how do you bring Kerr back in without disrupting that? Now, of course, Kerr's one of the best strikers in the world. The Danish coach admitted that, you know, she's perhaps the best striker in the world uh, when he was asked about her recently. You know, so that's a big threat and leaving her on the bench in such a must-win game would be a risky thing to do. But on the other hand, they played so well against the Olympic champions. They were so fluid in in attack. Bringing a new player into that disrupts that fluidity. So it's a big call for Tony to make. If Sam Kerr doesn't play on Monday, how do you think the Matildas could go on without her? I, I think they'll have confidence from that win over Canada that they can do it without her. 
Uh, they looked incredible and they'll hope to bring forward that form. They've had a bit of time off to rest and recover. They'll have that team spirit from that win. Uh, they'll hugely be buoyed if, if Sam Kerr is back, but I, I think they could certainly beat Denmark without her. You, you say that it's very possible that they could beat Denmark on Monday. How exactly do you rate their chances? Oh, that's the million-dollar question. I think Australia will beat Denmark on Monday. Denmark are a good team, but I think Australia just have more players of real top quality that will prove the difference in those decisive moments uh, all over the pitch. It wouldn't be a total shock if Denmark won, um, but, but I think with the home crowd advantage, with the momentum from that win over Canada, I'd expect the Matildas to beat Denmark. And I'm sure those words hopefully won't come back to haunt me. Next, what are the Matildas' chances of winning the World Cup? Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Speaking of words that might come back to haunt you, what about predictions for the, for the overall competition? If they do win, how, how do you think they'll go on? It's been such a roller coaster. Uh, I've been um, based in Brisbane. That's where the team uh, have been training. So I've been sort of going to their training camp every day, speaking to the players, sort of along for the ride with the other members of the media with this team. And we've really experienced the full gamut of emotions. At the beginning of the tournament, I predict the Matildas to, to end up in the final. I, I still think that is realistic. Particularly, we've had some huge upset results in the last few days that mean that the Matildas side of the draw doesn't have the top teams that were expected to be there. And so in one sense, our the Matildas run to the final is easier than it was predicted to be. But if these teams have upset other big footballing nations, they can upset the Matildas as well. So there's no easy games from now until the final. Uh, the Matildas can make it to the final, but a lot will have to go their way to get there. So hopefully they win against Denmark on Monday, but if they lose, they're out of the competition. If they win, who will they play next? If the Matildas beat Denmark, they'll play either France or Morocco in, in Brisbane on Saturday. Um, you'd expect France to beat Morocco, although Morocco have been a surprise team at this tournament. Uh, but the Matildas, if they were to play France, they'd have a lot of confidence. They beat France in that warm-up game just before the tournament. France were a good team, but the Matildas beat them and I think would go into that game with confidence. Then they're likely to end up possibly facing England or, or Colombia or Jamaica or Nigeria in the semi-final if they were to make it that far. Mm-hmm. And what happens if they draw on Monday? So because this is a knockout game, uh, if scores are level at the end of regulation time after 90 minutes, it goes to extra time. So there's 15 minutes each way, 30 minutes in total for teams to score. Um, and then if the game is still level after 120 minutes of football, it goes to penalties. Now, if it goes to penalties, that will be a huge moment for the Matildas because at the last World Cup in France in 2019, now in the round of 16, so in the same stage they are right now, and they went to penalties against Norway and they lost and Sam Kerr missed one of the penalties. And it was a devastating moment for the team. You know, this is often described as the golden generation of Matildas and that was a huge blow for them. I was in Nice in France. Sam Kerr came to the 
to speak to the media after the match in the bowels of the stadium. It was past midnight. She was in tears. It was an incredibly emotional moment. Um, we, we often talk about the nightmare of Nice against Norway. Some nice alliteration there. So I think that there's there's real optimism that the Matildas can overcome those demons. They've got so much momentum. They've already scored two penalties at this World Cup through Steph Cutley. So there's hope, but I think if it goes to penalties, those demons will be there sort of waiting to pounce. Right, like history repeating itself almost. Hopefully not. (laughs) Well, regardless of what happens on Monday, it really seems like hosting World Cup has brought football fever well and truly to Australia. What effect do you think the Matildas are having on women's football and and more broadly on women's sport in this country? Uh, Joey Peters, a former Matilda, played um, over 100 games. The Matildas has a column in The Guardian uh, recently and said that, you know, it's not about gender anymore. It's just football. And and that's a really powerful moment. There have been a lot of questions, you know, in the media, whenever we're interviewing players, someone will say, you know, what's the significance of this tournament for little girls in Australia? And I think that's a really important question. And, and of course, Sam Kerr and the rest of the Matildas are incredible role models. But for me, what's equally, if not more so important, is what this means for little boys, for um, children of all genders, the impact of having female role models on the big screen in front of capacity crowds doing so well. To me, that's what's the most exciting part of this tournament, that women's sport, women's football is just football. Amazing. Thank you for that. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add that I've missed? Look, as a journalist, I'm, of course, a neutral observer of these important moments, but as an Australian, go the Matildas. That was Kieran Pender. He's a freelance writer for Guardian Australia. You can find all of his reporting on the Women's World Cup at theguardian.com, including his recent article, which discusses how the Matildas could fare if Sam Kerr plays on Monday. It's called Matildas Face Jigsaw Puzzle with Sam Kerr to Make Women's World Cup Return. We'll post a link to that article on the full story page. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Alison Chan, Phoebe McElwraith and myself. Sound design and mixing by Daniel Simo. The executive producer for this episode was Miles Martignoni. I'm Jane Lee and Gabrielle Jackson will be back with a regular episode of Full Story for you on Monday. It's about why more young people are getting diagnosed with certain cancers. We'll catch you then. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.